Hi, I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, a naturopath, healthy-ish lifestyle architect, body joy seeker, and French fry activist. And you're listening to 100% healthy-ish. Here's the thing. As a naturopath and an intuitive eating health at every size health coach, I have seen every angle and end of the health conversation. And after years of clinical and coaching experience, I've developed a framework for feeling good and having fun that I know you're gonna love. To be healthy-ish, we move beyond the boring basics and consider some ish you have never thought of before when it comes to your health. Are you ready? It's gonna be fun. Let's go. Oh, welcome to this episode. It is such a good one. Today I am interviewing Sarah Britton. She is just a little bit magical, I think. And she is um, one of the earliest bloggers that I ever followed online back when blogs were new and a really big deal. Um, She has a blog called My New Roots and also cookbooks. She's a holistic nutritionist and chef and she's beautiful to follow on Instagram as well. She lives just down the lake from where I am here in Kingston. When I originally followed her, she was living in Denmark and she was making a really big mark on the Copenhagen culinary scene. And it was fun to watch this, you know, what felt like an Ontario girl out there doing something really beautiful in the wellness industry. But what really caught my eye, because again, I have followed her for years and years and years and years through all of my health eras, um, was to see some recent information about the fact that she was shifting up her diet pretty significantly and um, opening up from being vegetarian and mostly vegan to consuming animal products. And I saw that online and I knew just, I caught a tiny little snippet of it and knew that this was huge for her, that this would be absolutely enormous, not only personally from what I have known from following her, but also professionally. Like, what does it mean? The question that came up for me is, first and foremost, what does it mean to follow our bodies when our bodies are asking for something different from what our heads want or enjoy or agree with? And then bigger than that, what does it mean to do that exact same thing, which is already so difficult, and then do it when your entire livelihood and career is founded upon some of these food ideals. So I reached out to her and a big shout out to Katrina as well from My Orgasmic Life, who I've I've interviewed on the podcast because I think maybe she gave me a two thumbs up or something. And Sarah agreed to come on, which was just really just, I don't, I don't even know how to, I was just such a joy for me and to find out that she was even better in conversation and in person was just like the icing on the cake. So I adore her. I think she's an absolutely incredible, beautiful human. And I think you're going to really enjoy hearing about the, the journey that she's gone on with food and health and the eras that she has moved through. And, um, just the bravery it takes to really just listen to your body and do the thing that's right for you in a world that is continually pressuring us and imposing food values and food beliefs. So enjoy. Okay. I am sitting here with Sarah. It's been like a little while coming. 
Hi. <laughs> it has been Hi. a while. Coming, so. We recorded and then we had to reschedule and, and you were off in Mexico doing your beautiful retreats, which you could talk about in a little bit. Um, sure. But I'm so glad that we're connecting on this chilly February day. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So I was hoping that you could start as we often do in these podcasts with just like a little bit about who you are and what you do for those who haven't been following you since like 2013. I think I followed you. Um, give us just like a little backstory about your career and how you got into it, how you got into caring about food and health to begin with. And then I really want to um, just get into your story and the most recent sort of evolution. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, hmm, where to begin? I guess I started caring about food and my health in my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was diagnosed with osteoporosis and understanding that that probably uh, was due to choices in her life she had made. Um, you know, we, our diet especially has a really big impact and it just, it got me thinking about my body for the first time. Um, I also started practicing yoga at that age with my mom, actually oh, wow. we both went together. It was really special time for us, really good bonding experience. Um, and also at the same time I had girlfriends in my group that were vegetarian. And so I went vegetarian at 16 and, um, yeah, I don't know. I just started, there was just an awareness, I guess, of what I was fueling my body with and how I was moving it. And that, you know, I don't want to date you, but like what year would this have been ish? (laughs) I'm terrible at math. (laughs) You're putting me on the spot. Um, like the late nineties. Yeah. Okay. I only asked that because I have a similar story and it's interesting because at that point in time, like I'm sure you remember there were actually very few people that talked about food. It's true. It was, way. you know, it was sort of like, it was, it was quite crunchy. It was like very crunchy. Oh yeah. Very, very yeah. crunchy. Yeah. And I think the whole vegetarian thing, it, I was really influenced by my group of girlfriends. We were a tight pack. We were, there were 10 of us and we, I, I just, they were real expanders for me. If you know what that term means. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. Big and, Phillips fan. Yeah. Cool. And yeah, they really influenced me in a big way. And uh, I felt the support and my family was supportive of my decision. And uh, anyway, yeah. So that was that sort of chunk of time. Yeah. It was like 98, 99, maybe. One more question. And I rarely interrupt people this much when they're telling their story. So I apologize, but I am also interested because that time in a girl's life, like I'm interested about Mm -hmm. their motivation to be vegetarian, because I know that um, cause I, I do like also disordered eating work and it's often about controlling the body as opposed to supporting the body. So was there any of that or did it feel like it was coming from like a very good place with your friends? Ooh, great question. It felt like it was coming from a really good place. We were all hardcore environmentalists. And when we found out about the impact that the sort of conventional, uh, raising of meat and animals for me. Uh, the impact that had on the environment, we were all horrified. And we we really did that. It was really for environmental reasons that it started. Very value driven. Um, for sure. And then I also knew that people in the yoga community were vegetarian because my practice was, you know, I became really involved in, with that. So there were a few factors. Uh, but it, yeah, it definitely didn't come from a place of control. Not yet. Okay. Take <laughs> us there, mama. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Not yet. So yeah, that was 16. Um, I did have, I would say pretty, pretty low self-esteem at that time of my life, but I didn't really know what to do about it at that time. And um, yeah, the food was definitely more about the environment, being tight with my friends, like getting together. We, we were like, <laughs> we were like 50 year old women when we were 16. Our favorite thing to do was to get together and have dinner parties and cook with each other. And um, at least we thought that's what 50 year old women did. It's really funny, so but we always made fun of ourselves. <laughs> but anyway, that was one of our treasured pastimes was cooking veggie and vegan food for each other dinner awesome. parties. It was, it was great. So uh, moving down the line, I became really interested in cooking when I went to live on an organic farm in Arizona which was kind of an experimental city that was started in the late sixties. And I got to the project at a time when things were really in flux. It's a long, very complex story that I won't dive into, but I think what I gleaned from working on the farm was that I realized how disconnected I had been from the source of my food my entire life. I didn't really understood, I didn't understand previously where things came from, how they grew. And the freshness and the flavors that come from food when you just pick them, it is spiritual experience. And it was a very spiritual experience for me. I had a true awakening. That was when I was 23. Okay. And I went down for five weeks and I stayed for a year. And I became- Was this like a post-university kind of exploration yes. that you went on? Yes, okay. it was. So I went to, I did my undergrad in fine arts. Okay. Um, I have a BFA and it was sort of focused in design. I took a real interest in environmental design, uh, but my background is actually painting. So there's a fine arts leaning to all this. I actually went originally to university to study painting and then switched to design because I thought I was going to be more practical. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Ha. <Huh>. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm at Arcosanti, which is the name of this community in the desert. It still exists. It's there. Mm -hmm. And just really feeling at one with the earth, like truly, I mean, I'm living in this like teeny space, basically like a, a tiny house mm -hmm. and I'm eating the food that we're growing in the garden. That's really all I'm exposed to. We're out in the middle of nowhere and can't just like go get a Snickers and which I love by the way. <laughs> Snickers were so good. But anyway, there were no Snickers. There, there was nothing. And uh, my body and my, my mental state, my nervous system changed so quickly. Within the course of a couple of weeks, I felt very, very different. And I was like, hmm, there must be something to this food thing. It's not just about eating vegetarian food, but like the vibrational aspect of food is real. I get it. I actually went down as a total skeptic. I was excited to see why organic food was a sham. I'm not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Felt a big shift really quickly. Started practicing Ashtanga every day. Then I would say the control piece started to come in a little bit. Um, yeah. I don't know. It was like 
trying to see how far I could go, I guess, physically. My days on the farm were incredibly exhausting. Like I have never been worked that hard in my life. I had no idea. Yeah, the level of exhaustion I could feel, but still persisting with the yoga. Still, I was vegan at this point for sure. And um, I don't know, just just exploring the edges, I guess I could say. Yeah, it's always interesting to me because for some people, it starts as trying to control or manipulate the body that leads to food shifts. And for other people, which was my experience, it started as an exploration of health and well-being. And then something happens. You're right. I like, I'm having a hard time thinking of what the words are for it exactly, but it's almost like, I think it's a little bit a part of our culture, which is like, if a little of this is good, more, more, more of it must be better, better, better. Right. Like taking it to the act, like I, cause it's hard to figure out like, why did I, if things were going so well, why did I feel like, you know, jogging a few times a week and eating relatively well, wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I know, I know. Like what motivates that? What drives that? But I think it's part of this all or nothing thing that I'm fighting back against a little bit at the moment. I think there's also a pervasive message to always be optimizing. Yeah. Yes. And I, I, I don't think I was aware of that at the time, but the way, because wellness, I'm using air quotes, everybody, wellness <laughs> hadn't descended upon us yet. This is, yes, this is very this is important. This wellness we're talking yeah. about. I would have been considered like the weirdo kind of in, a, in my group of friends oh. that was so interested in this, you know, there oh, was yeah. no clean eating movement. I always joke, like trans fats were still in everything. Nobody knew what they were. Yeah. Nobody cared about sugar. Diet Coke was taking care of your body. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So this, so that's also, I, I should frame that, that in that context as well. Pre-wellness. Um, anyway, I think it's, we, we've maybe go back to the always be optimizing thing. Cause I think that's an interesting conversation to have. Cause I think that's really pervasive now. And that's, I don't know. I think it's destructive actually. It can be quite exhausting. Yeah. This idea of also always exhausting. having to think. Totally yes. exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also part of that puritanical cult, like there's a little bit of these, like these other roots that, that are underneath health and wellness that I always like exploring and talking about, because there's a bit of like, I control therefore I am, or I I'm like superior because I control and optimize. Right. And then very slowly, the thing we're controlling starts controlling us. And Mm -hmm. it's like, when does that shift happen? When does that slip happen? Yeah. Hard to say. It's hard to say. It's really hard to say. I think I mean, I'm getting ahead of myself out of the story here, but I think that that's really part of something I'm still very curious about within myself is where the line is and how to know. And it's, it's very fine, actually. It's, it's hard to care enough, but not too much. Okay. So we'll get into that a bit more in a minute, but let's go back to where you were. So you started to control, started to seep in a little bit, but but it was because I felt so good. I felt so amazing. And every week that went by, I just became clearer, had more energy. I felt like myself. I felt like I'd come home to my body for the first time because I was so in tune with it. I was listening to it all the time and really able to respond to it. And I think for the first time, give it the things that it actually was asking for. And that felt really empowering. That was very exciting. So of course, I felt motivated to keep diving deeper. More is better. 
<laughs> my husband says that should be my life's motto because that's very me yeah more is better yeah so when I got back from that experience I decided to figure out what had happened to me on a physiological level because there was such a shift and <clears throat> I didn't really understand anything about nutrition at all didn't really know how food worked in the body so I went to study holistic nutrition at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition in Toronto. And that was incredible. What an education to really understand what was going on inside, to like peek under the hood, to get it. Like, I can't believe we grow up not knowing that. Right. It's crazy. We're walking around with the most phenomenally, perfectly designed and intelligent machines. And the fact that we're never taught how they function and how to support them is a tragedy. <laughs> it really is. So when I learned how it, how it does work, at least to the best of my abilities, uh, I just thought, wow, we, I really need to like get this out there. Everyone deserves to know this. So that's why my new roots began. That was the start of the blog. That was 2007. Mm. Also very pre-blog. That is very pre-blog. Cause yeah, <laughs> that was early days. There were early days for sure. And it was, you know, no one was really reading it. I didn't have a goal necessarily. It was, yeah, it's weird because at that no, time, I'm realizing I may have putting things in the ether really. Too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, sorry, I know this is a long story. No, it's great. It's really good. I think it's important to frame this because it's important when we hear about the shifts that have happened for you to understand this mm. was a deep, long journey and a mm. big part of your identity. This, sure. you know, it wasn't just a passing phase to be vegetarian, you no, know, no. <laughs> so I started the blog. The thing that people were really responding to were the recipes because it was actually very lifestyle focused. Okay. And this is so 2007, this is when wellness kind of there's, there's whispers of it, but I'm, it's still very fringe. It's still very like you're a witch or a crazy person or a health nut or whatever. I, I just feel like I just want to say at in 2008 or nine, I had my first blog and it was called Yippie, like young urban hippies, <laughs> which is so funny because I went in lots of directions as a naturopath, but I've That's circled cool. back to healthy-ish, which just feels like very along the, like the roots. Um, yes. Yeah. But it was like, so, and it was, it was like trying to make wellness more mainstream, you know? That's yeah. so rad. Yeah. That yeah. Was I was too. It was like, do you guys know what quinoa is? Let Everybody said quinoa. You. Yeah. Yeah, quinoa. Yeah. <laughs> you know what quinoa is? Yeah. And I really enjoyed keeping on top of what was going on in the wellness world, nutrition world, and sharing that with people. And it was a very low-fi, very low-pressure situation. Sure. I met a very lovely man from Denmark. I moved to Denmark. You couldn't practice holistic nutrition in Denmark because it's not, it doesn't exist as a career. So I couldn't get insurance. And in order to figure out what I wanted to do with my life in Denmark, <laughs> I started cooking in restaurants and very quickly realized that that was my calling. I'm also air quoting. I had this crazy intuition with food. And because I knew how food worked and what it did in the body, my recipes were all designed around that. 
And so it was like, I, I could make things taste really delicious, but I could also pair certain foods together because of course, vitamins and minerals and fats, all the macronutrients, they have a synergistic effect in the body. So being able to design a recipe so that people would have this very delicious thing in their mouth, but like secretly it was reducing inflammation or something. So that was really, really fun. And yeah, I guess my reputation grew a little bit in the city. I started, oh, this was a turning point. I got a job being a head chef and manager at a raw food restaurant in Copenhagen, which was very new fangled thing right. in the city at that time. It was pretty cool in like California already, some places in the US, but it had not really come to Denmark. And I was so and excited. And you were just learning as you go, because that is tricky cooking. Raw food cooking. Is that crazy. I was learning. Well, I mean, I had done a lot of raw food recipes, but I hadn't gone a hundred percent raw with my diet. And it was something I was really curious about. And so I took the plunge. I took this job and I dove straight first into uh, straight first, head first into the raw food world. And I went hundred percent raw and raw vegan. And I did that for just over a year until I was so freezing cold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, my husband was like actually worried about me. Um, also, I got to say, I felt amazing until I didn't. I felt so good on that diet, air quote, until you know, eating raw. It was really, really something else. However, oh, can, I, can I offer this? Cause I feel like I don't talk about this a lot and I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on it. Cause I talk about this with people often, which is that I think as part of like the, the diet culture clause that are into wellness, my belief system is that even though those of us who've studied the body and we know how the body works, we understand that it makes sense that occasionally our body loves this period of rest or like we could sometimes call it detoxification or simplicity or paring down on things. You know, you could call it a lot of different things, but then we also know that human bodies are designed to break down and then rebuild. And I feel that so many of the people that I've worked with over the years have gotten into the same thing, whether it was with, you know, raw veganism or different forms of highly restrictive eating, where it does feel amazing in the beginning because their body's appreciating that phase but we don't also value when our bodies need to rebuild, when there's that, that feeling in our body of like, I need to eat more. I need mm -hmm. more things, yeah. you know, yeah. because we, it, because part of diet culture is valuing restriction and mm -hmm. limiting. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to equally value. Oh, now my body is reset and I felt good. And now it's wanting more because it's ready to yeah. rebuild. Yeah. Anyway, that's just, I just like mentioning that because I think it's, because I think a lot of people experience that feeling. And then they I don't think understand you're right, what's is, going on when it shifts, right? Absolutely. I mean, I learned about build up and break down foods. It's very basic uh, in my nutrition school. And it's, I think it's just really tough when you do feel so amazing um, to remember these principles. And, and, I, and I don't think we very often have gotten great models of like, how to build or how to value building mm -hmm. yeah. in a especially healthy way. Women. Yeah, especially women. Yes, agree, agree, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, raw vegan. Finally, too cold, 
too cold, started eating, you know, some cooked grains and some, you know, yeah, some steamed brown rice once in a while and some soup and uh, slowly started coming out of that. And that also felt really good when I recognized that, okay, I, something's got to shift. Let's eat some cooked things. I think I also brought in some eggs at that point. I felt, I did feel depleted. I felt great until I didn't. And then, uh, yeah, I needed a little bit of buildup, but there was always hesitation. There was guilt. I felt like I was getting sidetracked or something. It was always about going deeper and seeing how good I could feel, I guess. Anyway, um, I got pregnant. I stayed pretty vegan throughout my pregnancy. I remember really struggling to get enough protein and I was inventing these like really wild smoothies um, with too many ingredients <laughs> to, uh, yeah, just to keep me full and to keep the protein intake high enough. And I had a super easy pregnancy, like kind of textbook. It was great, amazing birth, super easy. Um, really healthy baby. And I'm so lucky for that. Like really, really lucky. Uh, so this is taking us to pretty recently um, moving to Canada and getting injured. Right. I was injured in May of 2018. Okay. But the injury, it's, I, I say that it's an injury. It was more a uh, pre-existing condition that was discovered through an injury and it was in my low back and it has taken me uh it's been almost five years that has taken me to recover I think I can like safely say that I am healing this now um wow like knock on wood knock on yeah wood. I know it's I've not said that out loud as a matter of fact yet so that feels really exciting to say aloud <laughs> I'm feeling so good uh but through this experience, um, many years to the point where I couldn't walk. In fact, there was about a year where I was unable to walk. Um, I hadn't been changing my diet. I was changing everything else. And my Chinese doctor kept telling me that I really should consider drinking bone broth. And I had this feeling deep down that he was right. That my chiropractor told me that, and a couple other people told me that. And I was the resistance, Jill, was like so intense. I, I was so stubborn. I was like, no way am I doing that. I've built this career on sharing mostly vegan, mostly gluten-free recipes as all-inclusive food, not because it wasn't, I was really not trying to focus on the labels at all. Uh, I was really trying to focus on just getting people to eat more whole foods. As a matter of fact, that was sort of my MO. Uh, but I also wanted everyone to be able to eat them. So I made them vegan and gluten-free for the most part so that people could, anyone could partake. But I really loved hearing someone say like, oh, I got your second cookbook and I love this recipe and I put a piece of grilled fish on the side. I'm like, that's wonderful, good for you. But it was just a personal decision. I just was not interested in eating any kind of animal product, any flesh, especially. Anyway, two years after my first attempt at making bone broth, which resulted in more tears in the pot than chicken broth, I think. Oh, <laughs> it's devastated, devastated. Two years later, I woke up one morning and I just felt like there were no feelings left. It was 100% clear that my body wanted a roast chicken. And 
I had, of course, thanks universe, met a biodynamic and regenerative farmer uh, of small animals just 10 minutes uh, near my home. And we had so many conversations. Uh, he really changed my mind in a huge way about the way that we can raise animals in a healthy and supportive way of the environment and one another. And I think suddenly having access to that made a huge difference for me. It was kind of like me deciding to go raw vegan was because I suddenly had access to raw vegan foods really easily. And the source has always mattered to me. And uh, yeah, I met this farmer. He really changed my mind. And that, and of course, all the professionals in my life that were telling me that I was really depleted. And that I had tried eating vegetarian and vegan for four years, because that was also the advice of some people is to keep, you know, no inflammatory foods, you know, maybe go back to raw vegan. So it was a lot of noise. Anyway, I eventually heard my body's, uh, yeah, the truth of it. And it was, yeah. yeah. And it was great right to a chicken. Yeah. What was the hardest thing about, especially with like within your career? Like, was it, was it terrifying to tell yes. your community? A hundred percent. I thought yeah. it was, of course, of course. I feel like I've always been very moderate in my approach and very like, I, I want to approach health with a lot of fun and curiosity and excitement and enthusiasm for being in this body because they're amazing. And I was never really about dogma yet. I had still become a part of this bigger movement of wellness and was a voice for yeah, so maybe some things I wasn't even intending to be a voice for. Yeah, you kind of become like a guru in the vegetarian world without even being yeah. like, that wasn't exactly even my platform necessarily, right? It was oh, no. Yeah. And uh yeah, I, I guess because of the really angry and hateful things people would say to me if I posted an egg or something on Instagram, I thought if I come out about this, I mean, I'm, I, I just can't imagine what's going to, the energy that's going to come at me, the amount of, yeah, anger it's a lot. and it's hate. A lot. It's very scary. It was really scary. and. I feel really at peace with my decision of myself, but it was a lot about how I was going to be perceived. And I also, I just can so understand. I went through a phase where a lot of the people I was following, people who were online for, you know, known for vegan recipes, started eating meat. I felt really triggered by that. And it's so interesting to have, I really see both sides of the picture. And so I also didn't want to alienate anyone. I didn't want to like shock anyone, hurt anyone's feelings. I didn't want to disappoint anyone. That's a big one for me. And because I felt, I felt that way. I do admit it, looking at the people that I'd been following who suddenly were like, here's a, here's, here's a burger with real meat. I was like, what? Ah, but it was really just challenging my own beliefs and the own, the ideology that was so ingrained in me. And I think it's so interesting how judgmental people can be about food. Um, but that's why I think it's so dangerous when it does become part of your identity, because then you feel like people are judging you 
It's not your behavior. Well, yeah. Like one of my non-negotiables from this point forward in my life is no labels on my eating ever because I've been through so many, um, you know, value driven and also like more cringy phases of (laughs) vegetarianism all the way into like paleoism in the early Mm. years of my, and it's just like, I just don't want to be on a soapbox that I'm going to fall off of anymore, you know, and it's not good for me. And I think that like what I've learned is that there is no one right way to eat, right? It's so individual and every person is navigating lots of different forces every time they pick up a fork and it's so people need to be able to make the choices that are right for them in any given moment and our bodies shift and change. Yes. Right. And it's just like that we're going to age. We're going to encounter like pregnancy, perimenopause. I mean, there are lots of different things that, and that's besides trauma or grief or divorce, or there's so many things that affect our bodies and what we need and how we digest and, and um, injury, you know, like there's, there's all these things that affect what we need. And I just like, don't want to be a part of that. Um, Like you hit on it. Like I remember reading in a book several years ago, it's not, I eat vegetarian. It's I am vegetarian. I am paleo. I am, you know, and it, and it does become this like deep part of who we are and our community and, and who we connect with and how we identify. So then when our body needs something different, it really, it doesn't just challenge like your grocery list. It's challenging your entire way of being and your access to connection and belonging and people. And it's big. Yeah. It's really big. And for you, your, your livelihood as well. My career, my whole career. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was so complex and realizing I remember this moment holding these chicken feet, frozen chicken feet in the pot, crying into the pot, feeling my identity dying and what that meant to me. Yeah, it was huge. Big. It's still big. Yeah, it still is. So big. Yeah, because I, yeah, I also care so much and yeah. I want to do the right thing, you know? Of course, but yeah. Putting myself first and my body first was, yeah, I knew that I had to, I knew that that was the most important thing. Mm. And it still took me two years. Yeah. You know? Two it's years really of like wild. living, living in a way that you were happy with before you announced it. Is that what you mean? Yes. Yeah, yes. no, no, I mean like. Or two years it, to do it took another two years to actually start eating animals. Yeah. And then just because the ideology was, it was too, I was so in it. I was so locked in it. And uh, no, it took me about six months. Okay. Because I also wasn't sure of a lot of things. So I had to really feel like this is the way I'm going to eat for a little while and then start talking about it. <laughs> like no, I really appreciate that actually. Cause I always find it sort of like, Oh, like, you know, and I sharing online is hard. I applaud everyone who's sort of like open to trying to share their process and help others. And, but I do find like, I appreciate when people take the time to integrate and, and process and figure out where they really are before 
I guess it's a different type of sharing when someone's sharing every single instant of the journey with everyone. But I personally, especially when it comes to things like food, maybe because the perspective I'm coming at it with, like with how easily swayed I know people are and how um, we're just taught to look externally for all the answers. Like I really appreciate that when people are in places of influence and they've got eyeballs on them, that they're taking time to figure out what their message is. So I think that's great, actually. Well, you know, it was also really layered with navigating my own very, um, very challenging health issue and having all these eyes on me and figuring out how I can sensitively and compassionately share this shift for me. And yeah, that took a while to get a grip on for sure. <laughs> what was like, what was the response in the end when you shared? It was, inc- it was overwhelmingly positive. Yeah. It was overwhelmingly positive. Of course, there are a few people that are disappointed or whatever. Uh, yeah. I recognize that that's really not my responsibility. And uh, I was so encouraged by everyone's really kind words and supportive words. And I I think I really wanna live in a world where when we see a woman doing what's best for herself, a person, any person doing what's best for herself themselves, uh, that we should celebrate that no matter how it looks. Yeah. I think it's so important and it's very hard to do in the wellness world, I have to say. It's so one size fits all. It's always be, trying to get better it's always be the next best thing and yeah I don't know there was like this feeling of returning to an ancientness in this way of eating that kind of got me here and in you know in the string of my ancestors all you know I literally like I got here because of a different way of eating not eating food that's been flown halfway across the planet and that I just wasn't connected to. So it feels so right. Like I finally also feel for the first time ever that I'm eating from where I live. And I've always really been such a supporter of eating locally and seasonally. But in Copenhagen, I was in a big city and I didn't really have, you know, I had access to great organic stuff, but I didn't really know the people behind these farms. And now I do. And I think that's really special. And I recognize that's an incredible privilege and not many people have that, but uh, it just feels so in alignment on every level, the way I'm eating now. And I really, yeah, the no, no labels for me either from here on out. And that feels like so much freedom. It is the taste of that is the most delicious. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that feeling of disappointment is interesting because, you know, obviously everybody's entitled to their feelings, but I do find it interesting because I think this gets lost as well in the ideology is you are still an incredibly thoughtful eater and buyer. And if the real value is, you know, it is a privilege to be able to eat in certain ways. And like, if the real value is trying to do what's better for the environment, then isn't every step toward that valuable? Like, why does it have to be all, or like even, um, I don't know if you know Jillian Harris, she's sort of a Canadian influencer. She's very funny. She's got a great personality and she's, and you know, she doesn't know anything about anything. She's like a Northern Albertan girl who didn't know anything about, you know, raised on, you know, beef and fast food and whatever. And 
this became part of her value system to try to eat vegan. And I watched her making these major efforts and learning and, and just getting ripped to shred by vegans for her imperfection. What? You know, really? like, yeah, yeah, oh. on her platform. And it's, it's come a long way. But I just thought she's, she's educating millions <laughs> of people. She's trying her best. She's, she's cut down. She's eating plant-based, you know, 80% of the time, then 90% of the time. But it was like, not, don't call yourself vegan-ish or, you know, like it was, <sighs> you're not a vegan if you're not. And it's like, well, but if your real value is the earth, and this is your belief system that cutting down on animal products is what's best for the earth. And what she's doing is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's like she eats a hamburger three times a year. Who can like that's nothing compared to you know what yeah. she was doing before. Hmm. Uh, anyway, so I just want to just like mention that as well because I find that also part of that all or nothing. Yeah. More is so more is more is more you're doing it or you're not kind of feeling. And I think that that's, I don't know. I don't know what your thought is, but I do think it's part of that identity piece of the puzzle where it's like, you don't get to take on my identity mm -hmm, if you're not mm -hmm. fully in, you know? Yeah. 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 I don't know. It was just interesting. And I think like people could be disappointed, but also you're still an incredibly thoughtful leader who's, who's, you know, like you said, doing what's right for you. Yeah, and the planet at the same time as much as I possibly can. And yeah, I I guess if I didn't feel so good now, it would be harder, but I just feel so great and so at peace and so free that it's okay. I don't I can't please everybody. It's okay if people will judge me. I don't really care. <laughs> it's great. That's great. <laughs> I don't really care. I feel amazing. And I yeah. hope everyone does. No matter how the no matter how they choose to eat, I just hope everyone feels really good. Yeah. And I think the danger with wellness is that it creates a lot of comparison and a lot of standards and they don't work for everybody. And it's really hard when you're striving for something, you know, being so influenced by other people and trying to be perfect. And and again, this like constant striving for more and better and Thinner. Yeah. Thinner. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. Okay, one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I love it so much and I talk about it a little bit differently. Um, but I just wanted to hear, I just saw a post that you had made not that long ago about primary versus secondary. Mm. Or did you say nourishment or nutrition? Foods actually. Foods. Okay. So that's yeah. the way you had worded it. I couldn't remember exactly how, I but I so. love it. I think so. <laughs> but I know, yeah, like I know part of healthy ish is understanding that like if we get too hyper fixated on food and movement, having to be the entire source of how we feel in our bodies, mm -hmm. I think we also get wrapped up in that, like losing the forest for the trees kind of situation. Like I call it sort of putting too much pressure on food to fix your life. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden that's where we start to find a lot of rigidity and a lot of like going down that more is more is more whole. Um, so what do you mean? Just, can you just explain that to us or describe that? Cause yeah, I think it's a, sure. a great concept. Cool. Well, primary foods, surprisingly, are the things that influence us in our life. And it's the habits and the things that influence us. So for example, some of my primary foods that I ingest every day 
are time outside, fresh air. I love spending time with my family. I love getting sun on my skin. I love listening to the sound of water. I love spending, yeah, I don't know, cycling, uh, calling a friend. These are all primary foods. They're the things that like feed you on a soul that, level. That nourish you on, a, nourish on a deeper, you. yeah, yeah. Yes, and secondary foods are the things that we eat. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, all the things yeah. that we eat and drink. And I think it's important to remember the order of those things because when we get yeah. really hyper fixated on food, um, yeah, we can forget that the thing that really nourishes us, there's a whole world of, of things and practices and habits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like kind of when we went back to that idea of wellness being exhausting, like if we're so fixated on our food being our only source of energy, we get ourselves into this loop of trying harder and harder and harder at the food and the exercise that we actually are doing more exhausting things than we are energizing. Right. And it's yes. like, we have to remember tools like this, this you know, food is this tool and we just have to use it in the right way. And I think that that idea of primary foods versus secondary foods allows us to use food in the right way for what it's meant to do. Yeah, it's part of the web. It's part of the web of it all. And I actually heard a really interesting thing the other day, which was maybe you're not exhausted from doing too much. Maybe you're just not doing more of the things that give you energy and fill you up. Yeah. And I think for myself, I can feel pretty run down. Let's say if I'm just, I mean, I have to do computer work in my life. That's the reality. But if I don't balance that, then I can feel really exhausted, but it's not because of the computer. It's because I didn't get outside and I didn't take some really nice deep breaths that day. Um, so I think we also have to remember that yeah, the prime, the balance of those things is key. Food is part of the web and it's a tool and it's also okay if it's not picture perfect. Yeah. Like it's really okay. It's just part of the picture. I think also when we attach morality to our food choices, ah, we get into such yeah, yeah. dangerous territory, yes. which I absolutely did for a really oh, long God. time. I, mean, I was really self-judgmental. Yes. And again, very all or nothing. Oh my gosh, I ate a couple chips. Oh, like I can't believe I did that. And I would really obsess about that kind of thing, you know? And, oh, yeah, it's great to just eat a chip. Yeah, it's great. Um, okay, <laughs> we're rambling at our time. I, and I wanna just like wrap this up. So I always ask people three questions at the end. So the first is, is there anything that you're really loving that's making you feel great? And it could be like, it could be food, but it could also be like a product. It could be um, a behavior. It could be an activity. It could, it could be anything. Like anything that's just making you feel really great in your body. Breath work. Breath work. Breath work is. Oh, you I saw a story in your stories about this recent Mexico retreat. Yes. Yes. So breath I, work. breath work has helped me so immensely with my pain. My nervous system uh, It's really helped me heal the situation. And I got so jazzed about it. I thought I need to, I need to learn how to teach this because I want to share this. It's very much like the blog. I'm like, I learned this thing. I have to share it with people. And I wanted a physical practice. I could share with people that didn't like require any skill level or experience and right. that people of almost every ability can do it. So it's very, very exciting. It's so accessible. 
and I got certified to teach and I was just teaching one-on-ones until I did the retreats in Mexico and got to guide my first group sessions and just mind-blowing. I can't believe the response and uh, I've got a couple now in the books to teach in Toronto. Wow. I'm really, really looking forward to that and bringing another aspect of, yeah, body connection to people Mm -hmm. because it's such a beautiful way of connecting with the body. So that I'm, I'm really into that right now, Jill. Okay, cool. Um, okay. And I feel like we kind of touched on this a little bit, but anything in the wellness world that's currently making you like roll your eyes a little bit, like you're like, <laughs> okay. You seem, too nice. you seem too nice to roll your eyes, but if you rolled your eyes, <laughs> Oh, I can roll my eyes. <laughs> um, I would just say the dogma, the dogma yeah. and the extremism. I just want people to lighten up. I just want people to be gentle with themselves and mm. remember that, yeah, life is supposed to be fun. <laughs> and like, if it's, if it's hell to keep yourself like, well, air quote, then it's not the thing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's not really well. Yeah. It's yeah. not well. It should be joyful. We should be feeling good. Yeah. Okay. And then last question. Um, anything that you do and again it could be like eat do whatever that someone on the outside might be like that's not healthy but you're like it makes me feel amazing and I love it I absolutely just love eating whatever I want (laughs) I think if some people like can I tell you that I used to be afraid of just posting a picture of a cookie that wasn't vegan and gluten-free because I knew someone would email me about it right Right. And now I just do it. And I, yeah, I'm sure people are like, wow, that's really unhealthy. But I, again, I don't care. And that makes me feel so sane and so happy and proud of myself. And yeah, I yeah. love it. And I just want to say a little like behind the scenes for those of us that like have accounts and, and have online businesses or whatever, I actually started to feel, and, I, and I'm still, I'm a very sensitive person. So I'm like, it's not like I've mastered this but I do feel quite committed to cultivating a community of people who aren't so hard on each other when it comes to food. And I think like every time you post something that's imperfect or that I think it helps people grow and it helps, you know, maybe eventually weed people out so that eventually you have a community where you're free to be actually your full self. Mm-hmm. without fear of, I mean, this is different from getting, you know, checked for doing something, you know, maybe really thoughtless or, you know, I think that's fine, fine. But this, yeah. like, we, sh- we should be able to be fully complex, faceted human beings. We online. should. Yes, yeah. we should. And, you know, that's why I've just decided that I'm going to, you know, be as much of myself that I want to share and I think it's good to see representation, like someone just yes. not with all these labels. And gosh, I just, again, I used to be really judgmental seeing people eating a bowl of pasta for crying out loud. Like, I can't believe I was there. <laughs> so crazy. But, you know, if there's still people out there that are like that, which of course there are, I hope that they see me eating like a sugar laden you know, white flour cookie in joy and reverence because that is primary food. 
that is primary food. It is. It totally is. And I think like, if we want people to be more flexible in their eating and approach to food and health, like we have to model that as well. And that means letting them see inside of, because it's not necessarily good business or good social media presence, right? The idea is always mm-hmm. show this one thing that you are and you do, but it's not the reality of eating. And I think it takes people down the wrong track because what they, if they only see you ever eating one thing, they think that's all you ever eat, you yes. know? Which is what's so infuriating too, not infuriating, but challenging about being a someone in the more of a public eye because yeah, like people will take this one sliver of my life and blow it up to think it's the whole thing. And it's really just this one little piece. Right. Like you're seeing uh, 20% really of the whole picture, but yeah. 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 So anyway, I hope that I can just represent um, some kind of balance and just celebrating how we feel. Yeah. Amazing. That's like, yeah, that's my favorite. And thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for being so open. I know it's like, it's hard going through these transitions is so hard. Thanks for being brave. Thanks for (laughs) letting people in and letting them see this. You know, I think it's important. Um, Where can people find you if they want to know about your breath work sessions or your retreats or any, you know, you have a community. So where can they find you? Yes. Um, I'm My New Roots online, spelled just like My New Roots. Uh, I'm My New Roots on Instagram. My retreat business is called Golden Circle Retreats. And we have two coming up in January of 2023. So we can maybe put the website down below. Um, And then you can also find me on My New Roots Grow, which is my membership site. And people are calling it the Netflix of wellness, even though I don't really love that term, but it is an, it is a multifaceted interdisciplinary space for you to learn how to look after your body. And it is for people of all ages, all skill levels, and it's mostly cooking classes and recipes, but we also have some movement classes with the woman I do the retreats with, who is just such a real human being. And I love the way that she teaches us to move our bodies in joy. And there's interviews. There are, there's so many things, one day retreats for yourself uh, with guidance. Anyway, it, it's, it's a lot. I'm really trying to pull people into seasonality in touch with their body in touch with the earth around them. Um, and it's, I'm so proud of this membership site. It's really, uh, it's really something. Okay. I'll put the links below. We're at Thank exactly you. our correct stop point. I feel very proud of us. Thanks, Jill. <laughs> it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having, for being here. Forget healthy. It's time to get healthy-ish. This is the cashmere and chocolate sauce of health plans for busy, bougie women like you who are ready to feel vibrant without giving up any of the adventure or croissants life has to offer. I'm Dr. Jillian Murphy, and I'm over here disrupting the wellness industry, offering up something completely unique that's desperately needed in the wellness space. I have seen every angle of this health world shiz, from naturopathic diets and protocols to intuitive eating and weight-neutral healthcare. I have been trained in and taught in all of it over the past 16 years, and here's the truth. Hyper-focusing on food restriction, exercise, and weight loss to achieve energy radiance and vitality doesn't work. Ambivalence 
about food, exercise, and body to achieve energy, radiance, and vitality. Doesn't work either. So what does? Welcome to the Healthiest Life One-on-One Deep Dive, a bespoke coaching experience to create your personal magical formula for health, one that's juicy, focused on all the things you love, and helps you create the most dope version of yourself instead of burning you out or boring you to tears. I'm going to help you break down the constant disconnect between healthy and happy so that you can finally put toxic internalized beliefs and behaviors behind you, actually enjoy taking care of yourself, and start living a big, bold, beautiful life. We'll look at food and movement, yes, but so much more, like the core of yourself, your mindset, your environment, your clothes, your fridge, so that you can feel good in and about your body. The Healthiest One-on-One Deep Dive is my first ever five-month program that goes in-depth on every aspect of your life with some outside help from supportive, life-enhancing experts. Plus, you get a completely tailored-to-you, healthy-ish blueprint that'll lay out your entire master plan for both during our work together and long after we part ways as you ride off into the sunset in a sexy pair of jeans. Here's what's included. Your 10-plus page healthy-ish blueprint. A 60-minute human design deep dive on you, how you operate, how you balance your energy, and your best ways to eat and move. Ongoing health coaching and accountability. High-level coaching from one to two other expert collaborators in the areas where you could use the most support. Personal assistance support and boxer access to me as needed. The expert collaborators are leaders in the health field who will be handpicked by me and approved by you to address areas in your healthiest blueprint where you could use more support. Think style, speaking, visibility, naturopathic medical, hormone hot takes, and more. Remember, this is not just about a health plan. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to the link in the show notes and click on work with Dr. Jill for more juicy details. You're going to fill out an application form. There is no obligation here. Easy breezy. Fill out the application form. And if you're approved, you and I are going to hop on a quick call, no pressure, quick zoom to see if it's a good fit, if you and I are a good fit, and if the work is a good fit for you. Bonus, the first three people to sign up in this spring quarter are going to get up to $1,000 of lab work for free so that we can make their, your (laughs) super customized healthiest blueprint even more specific to you. All right. Can you imagine if we got to work together? It'd be absolutely incredible.